1: welcome back to Chasing Frets. We're wrapping up this week and I'm here with Andy Ellis. How are you?
2: I am hanging in there too.
1: <laughs> and uh, as you've been hearing this week, our guest is Jeff Daniels uh, and his new album is Alive and Well Enough.
0: icons of the guitar, icons of artistry and creativity. I absolutely love sitting down with these musicians and getting to ask them about their creative process and get into the details of why they do what they do. Check it out, Wong Notes. Listen now wherever you get podcasts.
1: And uh, I today we're going to talk about, we're going to dive deeper into this album and really talk about his songwriting process, and how that has kind of evolved over the years.
2: He also uh, describes, as he has during our week of talking with him, who some of his favorite songwriters are and and why, and writers. You you touch on a a very interesting point, which I'm not going to give away so people can hear it, but writers larger than just songwriting. Yeah. And uh, he, uh, he contrasts the skill of songwriting versus the skill of being an, uh, an actor and reveals some very interesting differences and similarities, I think.
1: Yeah, I, I totally agree. And it's so great to it, it seemed like as we've been hearing this week, it's you know his first instinct is always as an actor and how he when we, when we ask when we might ask him a question about a, a more music specific thing, how he compares that to oh yeah this is like being on broadway or this is like working yeah. with a playwright and those kind of viewpoints are so valuable to me just hearing how different artists interpret yeah. their craft you know yeah. so here's our final episode uh, with jeff daniels you can reach us at chasing frets at premierguitar.com and so we'll hit you with this and we'll see everybody next week today's episode of chasing frets is brought to you by the new taylor gt the gt is the latest acoustic guitar innovation from taylor it features a reduced-scale body shape made with all-solid tone ones. With its accessible feel and punchy tone, the GT offers an exciting playing experience for any guitarist. For more information, visit taylorguitarist.com. So, Jeff,
2: one of the important aspects of your guitar playing is obviously your songwriting and your lyrics. And... When I was listening to "Alive and Well Enough," I felt that the lyrics you pulled no punches with your lyrics. Um, and as someone who lives in Nashville, and there's a whole culture down on Music Row of people who craft songs, you know, for public consumption, and they all get together in a room and they debate, and it's kind of you know a group a group project for songwriting to be commercial. And listening to your songs, it strikes me that that's exactly the opposite of what you're doing. And I was thinking about it a little more and going, wow, as an actor, Jeff is hired to become a character and play a role. As a songwriter, he is telling us exactly how he feels about and how he sees the world through his songs, and it seems to me that it's such a different form of expression. You are telling the truth when you're playing your music. Not that your characters aren't truthful, but you're doing you're you're delivering an, something else when you're doing a role, and when you're playing your guitar, it's just you, and you're telling the truth. Do you get pushback at all from fans who think you're somebody over here and they hear your songs and go, oh, that's the real Jeff?
3: That's a great question. I, um, Yeah, the songwriting is telling the truth. The songwriting is taking up painting and not worrying about the committee of people behind you saying, try more red. (laughs) Yeah. This is just me. And um, I have standards of songwriting that I hold, and it, it's, it's got to be a certain thing to get, a, get on the set list or onto an album. I think some of that honesty and truthfulness in the songwriting and that kind of directness is certainly is meant to be so. I, I'm really not interested in whether anyone covers these or anyone buys one or wants to you know I, i'm I'm just not interested uh, I'm too interested in trying to get out what I think about this or that and put it into a song in a way that might be relatable Maybe you feel the same thing too I think the characters I've played as an actor I, I've really certainly in the last 10 years or so played people that didn't care what other people thought and so you're also playing you're not playing generic square-jawed heroes at least i'm not uh, i'm playing people with faults who peep flaws people who have a darkness to them frank griffin and godless comes to mind um, people who make mistakes Honest, trying to do honest, truthful, this is who they are. A camera just happens to be catching it, catching that behavior uh, in whether it's Looming Tower or Godless or Newsroom or even Atticus Finch. Um, And I think exploring the honesty and the truthfulness and the good and the bad in these characters, then when I sit down with the guitar the last thing I'm going to do is try to write something populist, try to write something that might sell, that might be interested to, that might be a cross between this artist and that artist, because that's that's what the record company is looking for. Uh, I, I spend my whole life as an mm-hmm. actor yeah. dealing with that, that kind of, well, the studio is kind of looking for this, and so you're not that, or whatever it might be, that kind of what will sell thing. And this is, you know, I look at, at John Prine early on, and and it didn't seem to me that Prine wrote that way. And Woody Guthrie certainly didn't write that way. Phil Oaks didn't write that way. Tom Paxton didn't write that way. David Bromberg didn't write that way. And and, and they're not going to take me seriously anyway, because I'm an actor. It's going to be like William Shatner, you know, uh, <laughs> who ruined it for all of us, kind of. Um, so, so I'll take what I can get, but, yeah. but I'm going to lead with my chin. I'm going to lead with what I think, especially now. You know, there are a couple songs on the album, um, Trumpty Dumpty Blues, and I am America, which I co-wrote with Thornetta Davis, great blues singer out of Detroit. And um, I keep thinking back to Arlo. I keep thinking back to
2: yeah,
3: see Pete that. Seeger. People that, you know, they used art as a weapon. You know, God knows the other side is is using any number of things as weapons that they, they have no right to. You know? Um, and if also, I remember Frank Rich, now a producer, television producer, but he, was, he was, still is a really good writer. After 9-11, about six weeks after 9-11, Frank Rich wrote, where are the artists? Why aren't you explaining this to us? Why aren't you illuminating what's going on? Help us. You know, Springsteen was driving around New Jersey, and he was at a light. Guy pulls up, rolls down his window and says, we Mm -hmm. need you now. Drove away. Step up. Is there no more important time in this country's history than 2020? If you don't think so, then I don't know what planet you're on. Or, you know, move to Russia if you're so enamored with them. But the rest of us, if we don't like it, I think it's okay to speak up. I'm also 65 years old. I've had a good run. And I understand actors who, and, and musicians who right. get told, shut up and sing. But it's too important. Mm. still is.
1: How autobiographical are your songs?
3: Well, I, 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 love, I love writing fiction. I love making things up. But sometimes they're triggered by something specific. It uh, depends on the song. Because
1: um, I'm just thinking, you've mentioned Prine a couple times now this week. And you know, when you think of the first line of, you know, I am an old woman. You know, named yeah. after my mother. You know, that's, yeah. that's pretty... I, I wasn't around when that song came out, but I'd have to think that's a pretty courageous thing to write as a songwriter, you know, to... And
3: who else, who else did it? Nobody. Yeah. I mean, not, not that we can think of. I mean, that's what made Prime so great and makes the great writers so great. It's definitive. It's in a world where everybody's seen and heard and read everything. Here comes something... I am an old woman, sung by a young John Prine, that nobody's ever heard before. That's what we're all searching for.
1: Who's the last songwriter that really caught your ear?
3: Uh, I, I just listened to Sturgill Simpson's um, Volume Two. I got one, but Volume Two of his bluegrass album. Oh, yeah. He's throwing. He's throwing right hooks. Oh
1: man, we just talked to. We just had uh, Sierra Hall on the podcast she's the mandolin player on that Rolling those records he's an
3: incredible player yeah
1: yeah
3: um trying to think who i yeah sturgill peter case i've always liked peter case mm. i you know i i've i've always admired springsteen
1: his new record's really I, good
3: yeah and it's just and i i went to see him on broadway i oh. got in and uh he was just standing up there.
1: Did you celebrity your way into that one too?
3: I I I had to know somebody. I had to know somebody. Um, and I didn't get backstage. I didn't go back there and bother him. But I I, uh, I mean the guy was defining his legacy. It was stunning. Yeah. Just stunning. And uh, and then you look at his body of work and uh, and how just being popular wasn't enough for him that he you know goes to tom joad and devils and dust and uh, even nebraska you know that's the short story book of short stories that he didn't write right uh, so it, it's 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 guys like that people like that
1: i mean for my generation i think jason isbell is probably the closest we have right jason,
3: now. jason southeastern i think and and whatever the other one was um
1: Nash- the Nashville, the uh, sound right, he, and- right.
3: Yeah, he's tapping it. He's t- he's he's telling the truth. And you can tell. You can tell guys who are telling the truth. You you it it uh, you know one of the things that 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 a great song does is that it makes people go, "Yeah, me too. Me too." I remember doing the newsroom speech at Northwestern in that first episode of that series and a lot of people who saw it later said, "It's it's what I think." But I could never say, as well, and and that's what songwriting, great songwriting, does, and, and it usually comes from something personal, something autobiographical, that you then can put in a, in a poetic way that makes it about the listener, and that's that that's that's the goal.
1: Have you tried talking uh, Sorkin into writing songs? No. <laughs> <laughs>
3: No, I haven't. Because, uh, I imagine that that, that the uh, three minute format <laughs> would be a problem.
1: <laughs> I mean, it could come out like we didn't start the fire. Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'm just thinking, you know, you've been for your whole career you've been surrounded by great playwrights and screenwriters. How does that affect of interpreting finely crafted dialogue, mm. how has that mm. affected your songwriting?
3: There is a relentlessness. That they've had ever since the good playwrights like Lanford back in uh, Lanford Wilson back as Circle Rep in the late seventies. They are they are relentless when it comes to rewriting. Rewriting is when you start to write. Mm. Um, You, I mean, the cliche of you never finish something you abandon it. Um, Certainly, when you write a song and you put it and you record it and then you go out and play it for a year, it changes.
1: How much of a when it comes to your songs, uh, you know, do you, like you said, you, you start writing when you're rewriting. Is that, you know, some people say songs come in some real quick. 15 minutes I wrote this song or 20 minutes I just sat, sat down and this song just flew, flew out of you. Are, do you find that more common than sitting down and, you know, like you're like in the picture on the liner notes, you're on the couch crafting each word. Wh- which, uh, which method do you find uh, happens to you more often?
3: It's the latter. It, yeah. it, it, they don't come that quickly. I mean, the, the melody come, the hook, make, the chord progression is there. Um, the lick is there. Um, and it's going to be about this. Good. All right. Now it can come in a day, you know, Trumpy Dumpty blues was a day. Um, Paris moon took a lot longer. Um, you fight, you, you, you don't settle when you know you got a good one, one that might make the set list mm. and or an album, uh, when you know you got a good one, you don't settle. You don't just, um, you, you deep dive into the lyrics. You, you make sure that you're saying what you're saying in an interesting way. You make sure the end pays off. If there's an ending that needs to pay off, uh, all that stuff. You, you dive into the structure of it, the telling of the story of it much more and that that rhyme that you rem- that you put down there early in the writing process just <laughs> has got to go even though you like the way it finishes in the fourth line of that stanza so cut it
1: mm.
3: and now your song's not done again so that that's the the writer real writers know that that's that's the way it goes I mean you, anybody can you can write fast and I'm sure there's an art to writing fast um, I don't have it I, I really. Look forward to the uh, exploration and making sure I, I I explore every possible way I could 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 do this.
1: It's right. Like my wife is a huge Dolly Parton fan, and for her birthday, she just got the new Dolly Parton like songbook, the big coffee table thing where it's all of her lyrics and she tells all the stories and and it's kind of right. I I remember opening it up to a couple of pages and some of the things she says about some of the songs just completely mirror. What what you're saying, you know, she's not a fast writer, but she's been a prolific writer for all these years.
3: Yeah. And it's, 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 you learn it in playwriting too. You, you, it, it, you got to kill the babies. Uh, you got to be ruthless with your own material. And, and that joke on the bottom of that second page of the scene is really good, but it's the two pages leading up to it that just are slowing the play down. Okay. Yeah. yeah I should probably cut that scene. Good. That means we're cutting that joke you won't let go of uh, it, it, You learn, you learn that it's, it's, uh um, stay on it. Don't settle, stay on it. And that's, that's, then, then, you know, Isbel gets a song like, like, you know, the vampire song oh. that he wrote. Uh, it's just, um, that's where you find the good stuff. That's for that's, and that's as hard as that work is and as maddening as it is sometimes, it's where the fun is.
1: What song on the new record was the most difficult to edit? To edit, mm-hmm. So after you kind of feel like you have the raw material on the page. Like how many? Which one? Which song did you have to kill the most babies?
3: I am America was was uh, tricky because I wanted to write it for Thornetta, mm. and and you know, as an old white guy, um, we're the last. I'm, I'm the last thing you want to hear from, you know. In today's America, and but I wanted to write a song that that said we have to start dealing with systemic racism, and uh, it's it's 400 years too late. Um, but I wanted to write it from her point of view, so as a playwright, I could get close. And I thought we had it, and then I sent it to Thornetta, and I said, "Do whatever you want with it. This is a co-write." you do whatever you want with it because I had her singing some verses and stuff like that. And in, I am America, there is a reference to the words on the Statue of Liberty. Give me your tired, give me your poor, give me your hand and I will guide you ashore. And I was going to have her sing that as well. And then she's, well, we have a different point of view of the Statue of Liberty. It's from behind. It's pointed to Europe bring all your, give me all your European immigrants. Mm. She said, we'd been there 200 years already. And, and I looked it up. Statue of Liberty was dedicated in 1886. You know, mm-hmm. they'd been landing on slave ships in 1619. Mm. So she wrote what she, you know, I said, rewrite your stuff, go. And she did uh, but that was kind of that didn't come together until the studio. all the other ones had kind of been road tested or you know played played up and so i they all kind of eventually went through the process um, until I had a, as many as I needed and I am America was the last one written um and that was that was an education for me.
1: The production is so kind of bare and intimate how do you ever when you're Recording these songs at home, maybe making demos. Do you ever find yourself being too attached to the demo?
3: No, because I make <laughs> shitty demos. I, I, it's iPhone. That's a way to fix it. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there's no way we're gonna keep. <laughs> that's it. a that helps. No way we're gonna keep it. Um, but that's what we wanted to do with this. I mean, we're in a lockdown. The album is called "Alive and Well Enough," um, and I didn't want to bring in other players. I really wanted the focus to be on the finger picking and on the songwriting. Um, we used the live room that we have at our recording studio here, we mic'd it up in the ceiling, we wanted that natural reverb. Um, We were mic'd up pretty good, just around that acoustic guitar and, and the vocal. And then I would play them live. I wanted to feel like it was being performed into that room versus tracked. I Am America was the only one we tracked, all the other ones we recorded live. Um, and I did it on a whole bunch of different guitars. I, I, Paris Moon, I wrote on, or I play, I performed it on a 1924 Martin. Um, there's a 34 Martin in there. There's, you know, uh, the McAvoy Martin, I call the one I had in newsroom. Then there's the one, the custom artist edition that Martin made for me. I mean, I, that was, it was a chance to pull out all those old guitars a 1934 Mahogany, you know, 017, I think, is on one of them. It was just a chance to, you know, bring the kids out to play a little bit. And for guitar geeks to, to kind of go, oh, that's what a 24 Martin sounds like, a double O, you know? Oh, uh. and, and, and the history and the songs that were in those old guitars. Um, you know, put a real good set of strings on them and record it. So that that Um, became, um, you know, instead of bringing in players, I'm going, well, here's eight different guitars, you know. See if you can tell the difference. Most can't, but, you know, some can't.
1: I'm always, somebody told me, somebody who knows a lot more about vintage guitars than I do told me always be wary of a vintage guitar in immaculate condition because that usually means it wasn't good enough to be a player.
3: Oh, that's good. That's good.
1: Yeah. So to wrap up this week, Jeff, I'm going to put you on the spot a little bit. And I want you to name me maybe two or three when you think of finely crafted songs, and kind of what your internal board, uh, standard is for songwriting that you point to and says, "Well, it doesn't get much better than that." What are some songs that you feel demonstrate the the finest art of songcraft? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
3: Well, I'll go to I'll go to Brian yeah. Samstone. It was about something, and it. Faced it head on, made made the listener face what happens to guys like Sam Stone. You know, I loved, and I'm forgetting a zillion, but I, I loved Springsteen's um, acoustic version of Born in the USA. After it had been misrepresented, misrepresented so many times as this anthem, it was it wasn't at all, and so. I loved when he kind of came out with a slide and kind of destroyed it right in front of 20,000 people. No, this is what it's about. This is what it's about. And, and the ones that are timeless, the ones that still resonate today and were simply probably something that Woody Guthrie wrote on the back of a boxcar, but this land is your land. And songs like that that jump generations and still hold up and still matter and are still relevant, those are the great ones.
1: Well, Jeff, it's been such an enlightening week. We're so happy to, to have had you this week and hang out, and thanks again, man, for talking guitars with us.
3: Appreciate it. Thanks, guys.